No, we got that three times, so it's exciting. I know I am, am super excited. Um, you know, this is, is really a, a fulfillment of, of, of much dreaming and planning, and, and we're just looking forward to what God in this new season in Mansfield. And we, we understand it doesn't maybe suit everyone, but we do believe that there's a lot of people out there um, that, um, that would love to maybe this time is not conducive for families to come out. And so we're just believing that uh, come the 19th of March and then the 16th of April, um, we're just going to see great momentum um, building and continuing here in Mansfield. So bless you all. It is uh, wonderful to see you all. And um, you're going to participate tonight, aren't you? We're going to get um, audience participation tonight as well. I don't want you to be quiet. I know that... Um, is it... Is it going in and out? Okay. I'll just switch the door then. Yeah, I don't want it to just be Stephen up here talking and, and stony faces and, and, and no participation. So let's get enthusiastic as we, as we look at the Word of God um, this evening. We've had a great series um, starting out 2017 um, where we've spoken into the topic of overflow and, and Christian's been doing the bulk of that and, and just really inspiring stuff as we've looked at how we should be operating out of the overflow rather than just out of the, the residue. And um, we want to be people here in Arena who are, who are overflowing with the good things, um, good things of God. And, and in really, in many ways, it leads almost perfectly into our next, our series that we're doing at the moment called Simplify. And you may think, well, how, how do the two match up? Well, Christian said it last week, and, and really our, our scripture that this whole series is geared around is this, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So everything we do flows from what's in our hearts. So if, if you are generous and you just love being generous, the chances are that's just an overflow of what is in your heart. If, you're, if you've got an anger problem on the flip side of that and you're just losing your cool all the time, well, it's not a surprise. Something's in there that's causing that to overflow. And so that's what Proverbs 4, uh, 23 speaks into and and. and in the series Simplify, we're really going to be looking at the issues of the heart. Really almost doing a spring clean of our hearts, as it were. It was a beautiful morning this morning. I got up and I thought, spring is here. Um, it was just an amazing morning. And, and, you know, maybe it's not in your homes, but maybe in your hearts we should be doing sp some spring cleaning. Getting rid of the clutter that is there so that we can truly say that what overflows out of our hearts is going to be good things. And so last week, uh, Christian introduced the series and, and spoke about from overscheduled to organized. And I know I was really blessed. I listened to that. I wasn't here, but listened to it on the podcast. And, and it was really challenging. And this week, we are going into week two, where we're going to be talking about from overwhelmed to in control. And we're going to be talking about mastering your finances. And there was a hush. And I didn't even have to make that up. There really was a hush uh, there. Finances, it's... Have you heard the phrase, money makes the world go round? Yeah, well, technically it doesn't, but really money is, 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 is a crucial thing. It's something that we can't ignore. 
In fact, if we had a God that didn't speak into money and finances, we'd have a God that's ignoring a huge part of our life and what happens in our daily lives. In fact, if you, if you look at all the statistics, uh, finances are a huge part of, of marriage breakdowns, of relationship breakdowns, of stress and anxiety. Finances are an important part of our lives. Can I just get it out of the way straight away and say that there's often a negative connotation when we speak about finance in church? Can we just push that to the side today? Can I say, I've only been here six months in Arena, but I can say this, that Arena's heart is not to line the pockets of the church. Arena's heart is for your benefit. And so when we speak into the topic of finance, really our heart is to see you benefit from this, for you to find freedom, for you to simplify your life, for, for you to go from overwhelmed to in control rather than just for our own benefit. And so really let's push that to the side and let's be aware of the fact that if the Bible says a lot about money, then God clearly has a lot to say to, to us. And, and so we're going to be looking at a little bit about what the, the Bible says about money today. And to be honest with you, some, some, some preachers, some pastors may find this an awkward topic to talk about, um, but you guys are lucky enough to have a, um, a pastor who talks about this Monday to Friday, nine to five. So actually, I'm not too bothered really. I'm quite comfortable. This is what I do, Monday to Friday, nine to five. So for me to talk about finance, well, it's just an overflow of the rest of my week. Um, so, so really... In many ways, something I'm passionate about on two levels, because I'm passionate about the Word of God, but also about finances, managing finances correctly. So we're going to start out um, by looking at the story of Zacchaeus. It's a story that we we read in, in Luke chapter 19. Verse 1 to 10, I say story, but really obviously a true uh, thing, uh, event that happened. Um, something that we're probably very familiar with, and, and maybe we've even got a song coming up in our head and when we think about the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. see? I'm in touch with the, with, with the kids' songs. Just for, you, just for you to know on that note that we did growth track uh, week three this afternoon and, and which is discovering your purpose. And if you've been through that, it kind of ranks all your kind of your, your, your gifting and all of these things. And I think worship was like the lowest uh, on, on my list. So you guys may say, well, I could hear that, Stephen. But, um, but yes, it, it, it's a story we were familiar with. Obviously, this man Zacchaeus who, who was a tax collector, in fact, a chief tax collector, um, who in those days was, was responsible for collecting taxes, but they'd often line their own pockets, collect more than they were meant to. So really a, a group of people that were frowned upon and very much seen as, as negative, greedy, and, and probably the worst uh, type of people, the, the most de- despised people um, in, in the society. And obviously Zacchaeus, when we pick up the story, um, Jesus was coming through town. And Zacchaeus, although he had everything financially, although he had all the money he could ever ask for, there was something that prompted him to seek out Jesus. There was something that was almost a hunger in his soul that he thought, I have to see this man. Probably a, a man who would have 
he knew would have condemned his lifestyle. Probably a man that was go- he knew exactly where he stood in terms of how he was conducting his life. But he was still hungry to hear because he knew there was something true in what Jesus had to say. And so he, he came and there was a big crowd and he, he was obviously small, couldn't see over. So he climbed up the tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. And we know the story well. And um, Jesus came over to him and said, I'm coming to your house for tea, right? That's how the, that's how the song goes anyway. Um, the kids should be in here. I'm giving them a little lesson. And, and obviously Jesus came to his home and, and, and he had an encounter with Jesus. And we can laugh about it, but let's pick up the verses in, in Luke chapter 19, verse 8. It says this. It says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You see, Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus. But really on two levels, and that's, that's what I want to touch into before we look at a few other practical points. He's, yes, he found salvation. If we look at those, um, those points on the wall, we, we've spoken over, over the last few weeks, know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, make a difference. He not only got to know God that day, but he also in many ways found his freedom financially. From something that was, was, had him in bondage, his finances, his money, he also found freedom that day. So on two levels, yes, he found salvation, but he also found freedom. You see, many of us, and, and can I include myself in this? You know, I never want to be somebody who stands up here and present, pretends like I have it all together and always have. Can I say, I met Jesus and, and it took a little while for me for me to really hand over my finances to Jesus. It wasn't always easy. And so for many of us, we, in different areas, but also in our finances, we meet Jesus, we encounter him, we find salvation, but we never really hand over every part of our lives to him. And so the challenge for us today is, yes, um, we want to meet Jesus, but we also want to have him transform uh, every part of our lives, like he did uh, to Zacchaeus. You see, if we, um, if we don't transform our relationship to money, and it's more the relationship to money, it's not money itself. If we don't transform our relationship to money, then we will face that overwhelming pressure that it brings. Because if we, if we let it control us, we will have that overwhelming pressure which it brings. And when I think of the word overwhelmed, the, I, I, can't, or I can never get away from the picture of me when I was, a, I must have been about 10 years old and growing up in South Africa, um, uh, we, I loved the sea, absolutely loved the sea. And although I would never claim to be a surfer, um, what I did enjoy doing is body surfing. And as a 10-year-old boy, I was always looking for the biggest waves always looking for the biggest waves to just go in and catch that wave into the shore. And let me tell you, there were a few times where I was overwhelmed by those waves. 
to the point that it, you, you just totally lose control. You're just toppling in. And that's the, that's the thing that I always remember when I think about being overwhelmed. You, you just can't do anything. You just got to go with the flow. And, and there's a few occasions where I even remember my parents were on the beach and I, was in, and I, and I got totally scraped up on some rocks and, and came in and, and, and told my mom, Mom, I've been sh- attacked by a shark. And um, my mom was clever enough to know that that wasn't true. But just overwhelmed by the pressure of the waves. And, and, and sometimes in a financial sense, we can feel like we're in those waves, those big breaker waves that are just hammering us against the sand and the rock and we're, we're, we're water in our face. We can't even breathe because we're overwhelmed. And so we, I believe that if we put some principles into practice, then we can truly go from being overwhelmed in our financial life also to be in control. You see, Zacchaeus was rich, but he was still overwhelmed. Can I just say that quickly? That when we talk from a biblical perspective, it's not to say we find financial freedom by becoming wealthy and becoming, be, having all that we need financially. No. Zacchaeus was rich, but there was still a heaviness and a, pri- and, 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 and a, a lack of freedom in his finance. What we're talking about is transforming our attitudes, transforming our beliefs, and truly saying we have a different mindset and relationship uh, with, with money. And so I love Zacchaeus because he's, he's one of these examples of people that, that just that met Jesus and just transformed overnight, didn't he? This extravagant transformation from being a greedy man to being a giving man. And, and you know, one day you're going to have an opportunity to hear from my wife, Alini. And, and um, I love her story. And in many ways, it's different but similar to Zacchaeus because when she met Jesus, she just totally changed from like black to white. She, she gave up old habits. She just totally changed. And for me, it's probably a more gradual process. But Zacchaeus was a man who just said, you know what, if I'm going to meet Jesus, I'm going to do it for real and I'm going to change. And so there's a few uh, simple, five simple points that I want to bring out uh, this evening, which I believe can help us um, transform our financial lives. And can I just say that these are, are not my thoughts. These are from a, a book called Simplify by Bill Hybels, which we're preaching through and Christians introduced it and we'll be preaching through in the next few weeks. So, but it's also not something that we just uh, digest, we, we just swallow. Um, it is biblical principles. We hold it up against scripture and he's based it on some wonderful biblical principles. Um, but these five steps are, are things that really resonate with me. And we're going to look at those very briefly um, this evening. First of all, belief number one, it's important that we understand that all I have comes from God. All we have comes from God. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. Everything we have comes from God. We've probably heard, heard that, that phrase, a self-made man. Have you guys heard that before? Like a self-made man. In other words, he really started from scratch and everything he did was self-made. He, he made himself. He made his own fortune. He made his own money. And, and we have like a, a real respect for people um, who do that. And I've even heard it, um, you know, obviously 
um, President Trump uh, now. Um, we've heard about him, and almost people take it away from him and say, well, actually, he wasn't self-made. He got it, all, he got it from his parents. He was rich already, and he just made more money. And can I just say, no matter who it is, even if it, somebody's penniless and they were self-made, it all comes from God. It's not from our human effort. We may work hard, but all the blessing comes from God. Every single penny. I've got it up on the screen there. I've got a few equations that we're going to pop up on the screen during the course of, of the interview and uh, of, the, of the, the sermon. And it's this first one. God's contribution equals 100%. Not 99%. Not 90, 95%. And it sounds simple and easy, but let me tell you, from a practical and personal point of view, I've had to realize this. I was working, and I have been for 10 years in financial services, and, and I remember during the, the financial crisis of, of you know, 2008, was it, 2009, I was working for a financial institution that, that, was, that got through that financial crisis crisis just without even a blip um, no bailouts nothing and and I actually got to the point where I was quite proud I, I was you know I, I worked for a bank that um, didn't need any taxpayers money we're very well off we're a, the world's local bank I won't say the name and and got to the point where I thought well you know I'm glad I'm not working for RBS or Bank of Scotland I could lose my job if I was working for them but I'm working for somebody else and and so we can easily think our security is in our employer, our security is in ourself, our hard work, our intelligence, but ultimately it's in God. And let me tell you, a couple of years after that, probably three years after that, um, despite the bank being in a very stable financial position, I was made redundant. Why? Because shareholders need to make more money. And so there's always people being, being cut off to increase the share. Wherever you are, no matter how stable it is, you, you're not secure in your employer. Don't, don't think that. You're not secure in your own hard work, that you've got a good head on your shoulder. Everything you have comes from God. And if you lose things, you will suddenly realize that that is the case. I'm not going to trip here. But 100% comes from God. And often, often it's, it's those moments of pride. My mom always used to say that. Pride comes before the fall. And then only after that, I realized that that was actually from the Bible, from Proverbs. So first of all, everything I have comes from God. But, but secondly, belief number two, I will live joyfully within God's current provision for my life. Philippians 4.12 says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I think we probably all think that living the American dream is really real happiness, don't we? A lot of us think, well, America, I mean, that, that, that is the place. The American dream. Let me tell you, we, if you read the statistics, America is not the happiest country. Neither is China or Singapore or any of these countries that have, have great economies or um, whatever it may be. Some of the happiest places are actually some of the places you'd least expect. I think Panama came up as, as number one in the happiest places to live, which you'd, you'd never expect. And, and why do I say that? Because, because happiness is not from wealth. It's not from 
finance. It's from things that are more central, things in the heart. You find happiness in the heart, contentment with what you have. Some of the happiest people, I've, having grown up in Africa, can I say some of the happiest people I've met, met are some of the poorest. In the book that um, Bill Hybels writes and in the teaching series, he says this statement. He says, talking into the topic of debt, he says, debt comes from wanting more than God's current provision for your life and arranging other ways to get it. Your expenditure, this is my next equation, your expenditure needs to be less than God's provision. How many of us get into those positions where we actually say, well, God's provision isn't quite enough. I'm going to make other ways that I can get that by resorting to to debt, to credit cards, whatever it may be. I believe it's important for us to to get a grasp on the fact that if God wanted to have us, to give us more, he could easily do it. If he wanted to to, to give us a a 100% raise on our salary, that he could do it. But he's provided on the level that he wants to provide for us. And we need to live within that. What I'm not saying is, is don't get a mortgage. Um, you know, things like that. In fact, if you need a mortgage, I'm your man. Uh, I've got some business cards somewhere. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But what I am saying is that it's important that we, we live within our means. And that's a biblical principle. Live within your means but the root of that is be contented within your means. I have the, the job of speaking to many people that, that are slaves to their credit cards, slaves to their debt. And, and what I don't want to do is load any heaviness on, on people. If that's where you are today, do you know what? I believe God can release you from that. I believe that God can do a miracle and he can bring you out of that. But if you don't put the principles into practice, you'll be back there again. And so I don't want you to feel condemned today because God is not a God of condemnation. But He gives us these principles that we should apply to our lives in order to have that financial stability and well-being. Belief number three, I honor God by giving the first tenth of all my earnings to his purposes in the world. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now there is silence. Everything Let's remember point one. Everything we have comes from God. And he asks us to give a tenth, a tithe back to him. What that verse is saying is this, that we honor him with our finances, first of all. That he will bless what we have left. That there will still be enough to get by. That 90% blessed is better than 100% that's not blessed. There's the next equation. 90% is more than 100%. Do you believe that that can be the case? With God it is. Can I challenge you even to say, well, what is the first thing that you do with your check 
paycheck when it comes every month or every week or whatever it may be. Is it God that comes first or is it the credit card company or is it the rent or is it the pub or is it the family even or is it God that comes first? I, I had this kind of moment of clarity when Lucas was about three years old and it was a couple years ago now and, and we were, I'd, I'd bought him a packet of crisps and, um, and so gave him the packet of crisps and, and said, can I have one back? Or I didn't even say it like that. I said, can I have one? Can you give dad one? And he's like, no, I'm not giving you one. And oh, Lucas is, is much better. We're still working on Max now with sharing and, and things like that. But um, it was this moment of clarity to say, well, I, I gave it to you anyway. I don't need you to give me that crisp because I'm hungry because I've got money in my pocket that I can go buy another one if I want to. I don't need that. But I've now consciously started saying that to my kids when I give them a bag of crisps or bag, whatever it is, give me one back. You know, give it just to test where they're at. But it's a simple illustration, isn't it? But so often we're the same. Everything we have comes from God, but we're not giving anything back to Him, are we? No. Because it's ours. Or so we think. All God's asking is for a little back, and He promises to to bless us abundantly. I I just, I wasn't going to share this, but I just thought about it now that, and we had, (laughs) Alina and I had a friend, and and, um, I remember, I remember her saying, and she's not, from here. None of you know her. But I remember her saying to us, in all seriousness, and we were shocked, she said, God has um, spoken to me and said just for this season, next season in my life, that he's released me from giving my tithe. And um, I think, like, at the time, um, because she's quite, you know, she's, she's a pretty mature Christian, and, and it was, it, we were so shocked, we were almost speechless, you know, when somebody says that, how, you're just not expecting to have to respond. And, and um and we didn't then have an opportunity to really speak into, in, into that in any detail. But I just thought about, well, if God's released you from giving the tithe, has he released you then from the blessings that come with it too? Because ultimately, the 90% is better than 100%. The 90% is always better than 100% when God has blessed it. And so with what we give, the, the blessings come over our finances too. So... I honor God by giving the first tenth of all my earnings to his purposes in the world. Robert Morris actually goes one step further and he says that the, the, the first tithe, the, the tithe or the first tenth, 10% is rightfully God's anyway. So if we hold that back, we're actually robbing God. And so it's not even a case of giving because it's rightfully his anyway. Belief number four. Are you still with me? You still with me? Oof. Nobody's stoning me so far. Nobody's uh, throwing bananas, so we're good. We're good to go. Josh had a few bananas. No, he didn't this morning. Um, Belief number four, I set aside a portion of all my earnings into a savings account for emergencies, giving opportunities, and my later years. And and I love this scripture, Proverbs 6, 6 to 8. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Do you know that all of us at some time or another are going to go through seasons of winter seasons, as it were, in our finances? 
it's going to happen. You're going to go through seasons where your bills suddenly increase. Maybe you're going to get married and then you realize, oof, the expenses. Sorry, Nathan, Joanna, having a wife is expensive. Uh, anyway, sorry. Um, All of us are going to go through winter seasons in our finances. Buying an engagement ring, that's a winter season in finances. Maybe it'll be a dip in your income. Maybe it'll be an extra expenditure. Here's the thing. We need to prepare for those times. We need to save. We need to get in the habit of it. And it's a biblical principle, but it's also something that's recognized you know, out there in the financial world. I, I, I speak about this in my workplace, but it's a biblical principle too. If even the ants know that they have to store up food for winter, then we should too. And there's a principle, you may have heard it, the 10-10-80 principle, which is really 10% tired, 10% savings, and live on 80%. You know, I'm not going to get legalistic in terms of it and how much you have to save, but you should save. You should put away for a rainy day. It's a good thing to do. Can I even suggest that um, it's something that you should make a priority, not just what's left over at the end of the month? Because there are times where I've been through where I've, I've had left over at the end of the month and be able to save it. But the, the more you have a family and the more your bills start mounting up, if you don't put it away at the beginning of the month, it's not going to be there at the end of the month. Can I say one of the greatest revelations for me was setting up a standard or standing order, and this is just practical advice, not biblical advice. Set up a standing order at the beginning of the month to just put an amount into savings. Like it's not there, it just goes and it sits there in the savings account. And then when you've finished your money at the end of the month, you know you've done it. It's a good principle. And maybe you said, well, I, you don't know my financial situation, Stephen. I don't, but I challenge you if it's five quid if it's 10 quid, whatever it is, just, just make the habit of it. And soon enough, you'll start see, see it accumulating and you'll actually want to put in more um, every month. It's important to save. It allows us, and my next equation is, is a savings plan plus putting it into practice equals peace of mind. Because there are always those things that come up and knowing that we've got a little bit of a buffer helps us actually live in a position where we're not feeling overwhelmed over all the time because the washing machine broke or because whatever happened. But we're in a position to say, I have a plan in place. And number five, I live each day with an open ear toward heaven, eager to respond to any whisper from God regarding my resources. And the scripture, I just want to to, to read to you is James 4 verse 3 and I'll explain this to you you may think how does this apply it says when you ask you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures and obviously it's not it's not directly talking into this but it's talking into motives it's talking about the desires and the motives of our finance what is the motive of your finance why do you ask God in this this verse but why are we saving we're not just saving so that we can be comfortable We're not just saving so that we have a nice sum in the bank to be able to buy whatever we want and whatever we we desire. We're also having an attitude of saying, well, God, I don't want my finances just to be used on my pleasures. I want them to be used for greater things. 
I want them to be used for God's purposes because using our resource for God's purposes is much better than using our resource for your purposes alone. And that's, that's my next equation there. I had to kind of stretch this to get this one in there. But using your resources for God's purposes is greater than using your resource for your purposes alone. You see, God actually wants our resources not to just stretch to covering our needs, but to be able to use them to bless others. And what I'm not saying is to bless Arena necessarily. Obviously, God, God uses Arena, does great things. We have mercy offerings. There's opportunities to give. Let me say, are there people in your workplace who, who just need, need some help? Are you in a position to be able to help them? Is your neighbor needing maybe just a financial gift? Is there somebody who's lonely at Christmas time who you could just bless with a gift or however it may be? Let's be open and let's be receptive to saying, God, I want you to use me. You don't just use me here in arena, but you use me there in my workplace, in my street, in my community, amongst my friends. But we're ready to be used and receptive to hear from God. And, and there'll be opportunities that are easy opportunities. We had an easy opportunity when Nathan shared the other week about Bibles for the kids and the youth. And, and I mean, that, that's an easy opportunity, isn't it? That's like, wow, what a great cause. Amazing. But God's going to sometimes ask you to do things that are a little bit more uncomfortable. I mean, I remember um, in our church in Scotland, um, there, was, there was a lady in the church who who we'd not always seen eye to eye with and we'd had you know, a bit of a history with and she was kind of almost making her way out of the church and almost leaving the church and, 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 and God spoke to me and said, I, I want you to bless her financially. And I spoke to Alini as, as you do with, you know, about these things and, 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 and Alini said, well, if God's saying that, then, then do it. And, and so actually God was teaching me a lesson that is not just necessarily the worthy causes. It's sometimes God asks us to even bless our enemies, doesn't he? Even those that seem to oppose us. And, and so I went and I blessed her with this financial gift. And you know what? I'd love to say she came back into the church and that was never my motive. And, and we became best friends. I, I never saw her again. She never came back to the church. But you know what? I knew that God asked me to do that. I was faithful. And I believe that somewhere there is a testimony that God has used that in her life to show that he's faithful. And so there are opportunities of all sorts. Are we ready? Are we ready to hear, not only hear, listen, and put into practice and have our open ear towards heaven with our resources? I'm going to conclude and and ask the band to, to, to come up as I do so. And I, again, I just want to be honest and transparent. You may think, Stephen, it's easy for you to say that. It's easy for you to speak about finances. This is something you've got a handle on. Can I tell you, it's not always been the case. It's not always been the case. By the grace of God, I'm in a position now where, where, where I can honestly say that, you know, I've got a good relationship with finance. God has been good to us. But it's not always been the case. I remember as an 18-year-old, um, first year away from home and university. Oh, my money management was terrible. And, and I remember getting to the point where I didn't even have money to take the train home to, to my, where I was staying or the, the bus or home to where I was staying. Actually, I have been that guy begging on the street for money. Now, I did it once, right? 
and I promised I'd never do it again. I'm almost embarrassed to share that, but as a student, I was, it was too far to walk, and I actually had to go to people, can, can I have, can I, I forget how much it was, can I have a rand or two rands, I need the you know, taxi fare or bus fare, public transport fare. So I've been in that situation where I've mismanaged my funds. Can I, can I say, I wish that that was where it ended. But since then, there have been times where I've been overwhelmed by debt. There have been times where I've spent what I haven't earned, where my expenditure has been greater than God's provision for my life. By the grace of God, that's firmly in our past. But let me say, I can testify to the fact that if you are willing to put these principles into practice, if you're willing to, to say, yes, God, I give you my finance. I'm not going to do what I think's best, but I'm going to live according to your principles that he will bless you. He can do a miracle, but he also requires our diligence to manage our finances. So I'm going to ask you just to, to bow your heads as we, as we close up because God can release you from that situation that you're feeling overwhelmed. You may be in a situation where you feel like you've been tumbled by that wave, where you feel that wave is just crashing down upon you, that God can release you from that. And I just want to...